Welcome to the Next Chapter Podcast. I, Ricky Loudermilk, and my friends Matt Lupe and Eric Loudermilk are on a journey to reach the life of our dreams while inspiring and helping others along the way. Whether you are going from high school to college, child to adult, follower to leader, nine to five to entrepreneur, or anything in between, we are here to help turn the page from dreams to reality. So on these episodes, our goal is to bring you, the audience, well-known individuals from all disciplines in life from around the world, but we want to look at them from a different angle and learn about their journeys through their upbringing and their rise to stardom. We want to make their seemingly larger-than-life figures relatable and share their journeys and normalize struggle based from the journey that they took. Today, we want to look at a journey of an iconic figure who transcended humble beginnings to achieve unparalleled success in the world of mixed martial arts. Without further ado, join us as we dive into the complex narrative of Conor McGregor's story from rags to riches. Yeah, so McGregor being one of the most elite athletes of all time, arguably one of the most talented and decorated UFC fighters of all time, and grew up in Ireland from very rough beginnings and it was a very small town that had a lot of negativity, a lot of bullying that he was exposed to at a young age. And he looked at fighting as an outlet of this is going to keep me standing up for myself, but also a skill that is kind of necessary in my day-to-day operations, dealing with kids that might have been bigger than him, stronger than him, older than him, that were picking on him from a young age. For sure. He grew up in a working class neighborhood and his family and parents had instilled values of hard work as well as determination in him. Um, Also from a young age, he had an inclination towards sports. He played soccer growing up, or as most of the world calls it, football. And when he was 12, that's when he stumbled upon his first boxing gym. He was inspired by Muhammad Ali at a really young age. And we heard the story when he was about that age, 11, 12 years old, and he got into a fight. And He was pinned up against a fence, and then he threw a left hook and yelled, Muhammad Ali. And that was his inspiration, and that was a big nudge for him to go look at a boxing gym. But when he showed up at that boxing gym, he showed up in soccer cleats or football cleats. So he didn't even know what to do, and that was a whole start of the journey into mixed martial arts. And I think this is the part where I would like to focus our time on, where he put a lot of time and effort into building who he was along the journey where he got into MMA and got into his first boxing gym. This is where he starts to see the trials and ultimately become the person that we know today. Mm -hmm. Is there anything in his journey from now up until he became champion that stood out to you guys in something that marks his success? One thing I want to point out from very early on was he was working as a plumber for a while. And when he first started getting more dedicated into fighting, boxing, learning jujitsu, he ended up quitting his job as a plumber. This is right around the time that he met his now, I don't even know what to call them. They're not married. They have a very weird dynamic relationship wise, but his essentially wife, they met when he was 19 years old and he was working as a plumber, trying to get into fighting full time with her support financially and emotionally. He quit that job and was on welfare and went all in on fighting. He was doing it every single day. There were some setbacks, but 
that really stood out to me because he went from just considering this as this is a hobby or a skill I need for the streets to now I'm going to do this full time and I'm envisioning myself as a champion that I'm going to cut off all other options in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a huge formative part of his life and a, a part of his journey where he decides to go all in on, on himself when he really didn't even want to. I want to look at when he was still really young. I think the interest of just children in sports in general and their environment on how they grow up, how you said he was exposed to bullying and how he was in a rough part of town that made him want to fend for himself, want to learn that craft. You hear all the time how these successful people take a route in life that is fixing part of their childhood trauma and fixing a part of something that they felt like they had no control of. And that's where they gained their success. I think it's interesting how he had an inclination for sports. Boxing and MMA was never really on that radar. But as a result of his childhood, it turned out to be what he'd be most famous for. Yeah, I've heard some people say that the thing that will make you successful will be things that you can't even control. And it's going to be the hardships in your life that you go through. And if if you can be a victor, not a victim of the circumstances that you are in. I, I want to go back to what Matt was talking about. Along his journey, I noticed there are four different things that you can attribute his success to. And the first big thing I saw in his life was his environment. And that was his mother, his coach, and his wife, or whatever you want to call her. His wife was able to put him in a position where he felt comfortable enough to go all in on MMA. And I think that's so big, having someone so close to you be able to believe in you and motivate you so you can be in a position to go all in on your goals. Looking at his mom, his mom was the one that motivated him to get back into MMA when he thought about quitting his first time and his coach his coach did everything from him in the beginning to providing financial support to building up his mentality to actually being the one to train his MMA skills Mm -hmm. I have three other ones but I want to open up the floor to you guys if you want to share anything first I think we're starting to see at this early age the power of his mindset Uh, When people think about McGregor now, they think of very boastful and confident and maybe cocky being annoying um, to an extent. But at at a younger age, we saw experiences of him before he was fighting and then getting into fighting where he wouldn't even look at the competition. He was just considered himself as dominant in all all facets of fighting and uh, really saw winning as the only option for him. And one thing we were listening to, Ricky, that I want to point out is his sister started getting him into more personal development and his mindset training. He read a book called The Secret, and I've never read this book. Uh, I've been recommended a couple of times really about manifestation and just making, again, your dreams a reality, and this was pivotal for him. And he would now go and talk to his partner and say, like, hey, I'm going to be a champion. He would say to his friend, I'm going to be on this magazine, of the, the fighting magazine. I think about jake paul in the fighting realm i forget who he was fighting but i remember he said that he put something on his mirror and he said like i will knock out i think it was ben Askren. i will knock out ben Askren on this date and they did it and he's just like reinforcing the power of seeing yourself as a winner as a champion visualizing that success which i think is super powerful yeah 
That brings me into my actually second one, which I think is so strong, and it's the power of belief. And like you said, he had the true belief that he was going to be world champion. He said, people threw bricks at me, people call me names, and I still think I'm the one. And to have that conviction in yourself, I think that's honestly what is going to either make or break you. I love the story of if you were given $10 million, but the bank told you that it's because it's a lump sum amount, it won't hit until a week from today. How would you act knowing you had that $10 million in your bank account? You would probably not even care about the money you had. You would go spend it. You would help people out and you would act as if you had it. But that's, that's manifestation. How can we live in that mindset because that's what's going to be the thing that's going to push us to eventually make that our reality Mm -hmm. yeah tying those two together eric your second one of belief and the first one the people you're surrounded with with i think what it comes down to is those around you as well as yourself having an unwavering conviction so for him specifically his for simplicity's sake his wife whenever he had nothing and she was the one who had to pay the majority of the portion for their rent when she cleaned all the time, cooked and provided financially from her waitress job when he was out spending thousands and thousands of dollars on training, investing into himself. She had the conviction to invest in him and provide that part, provide the stability for that part of the relationship because she knew he could make something of it when he believed that he didn't even have what it took to get to the top. And eventually, on parts of your journey, you're going to have those times when you doubt yourself. And whenever you doubt yourself, it's important, like Connor, to have his wife, his mom, his sister, who have that belief and that conviction that he can do what he wants and get to the goals and the life of his dreams. But on the other side of that, that belief in yourself. You need to have that belief in yourself that you are that guy and you are that person that is meant to be at the top. For sure. And one thing I like to look at uh, when it comes to McGregor, even any elite athlete this caliber, is when we look at McGregor now, I think in 2019, he was the highest paid athlete in the world. He's experienced a lot of fame, a lot of victory, a lot of money. When he was, I think he made his UFC debut 10 12 years ago now before even that he saw himself as a champion looking at like if he could look into the future and say like hey i'm going to be a ufc champion i'm going to hold two belts at one time which was never done before and i'm going to be having nine figures of wealth a lot of people would get discouraged if they just saw a, a small check come through because they're like i'm made for so much more but i think for him process there's a quote that i really like most people don't want to be part of the process they just want to be part of the outcome but the process is where you figure out who's worthy of being part of the outcome. Mm. And one of his first major professional fights, his winnings was Mm $2,500. And he spent that until he couldn't spend it anymore. When he made his UFC debut, I remember watching his documentary on Netflix, which I highly recommend, recommend if it's still on there. He made his debut and he gets on the mic and he just says like, Dana White gave me my $60,000 because that's what his earnings were for that fight. It's crazy to think that now he's making so much. He's about to fight, I think in June, and I'm sure his prize is gonna be in the north of $100 million if he wins that fight. And he was so ecstatic to get 60 grand 
just because he knew that was the next step in his journey. He was excited to get back to it and have that next big win and be fighting bigger fighters, badder fighters the next time. But that first step was necessary and he embraced the process and enjoyed the small steps along the way. Yeah, 100%. I think that's super important, especially on his journey. I want to bring up the third thing that I saw that really nurtured his success, and it was his grit. And I think his grit was really shown in, I think maybe it was like his fourth, fifth, or sixth fight against Holloway. And he tore his knee ligament during the fight, but still ended up finishing it out. And that's not an easy task when you have to bounce on a leg, whenever you're moving around, whenever you're really utilizing your knee to kick, and especially in MMA. And he still ended up pushing past his his pain point, and he ended up winning the fight. Grit was also shown in all of his trial and error whenever he was training. All the ups and downs he's went through, he persevered through it all and ended up, ended up getting to where he is now. I agree, especially because in the nature of his sport, you're going to war with the person in front of you. Like he said multiple times in press conferences, I'm going to kill you to someone. Like that's been said numerous times in UFC. So a lot of respect for just that tenacity and energy required. Be in that mindset of complete dominance and kill or be killed mentality. I think the idea of grit can be far more applied aside from the physical sense because that's what Conor McGregor is known for is his fighting abilities and how good he is at MMA and his unique style. But aside from the physical sense of grit, the grit that he pursued in his life through all the tribulations of, especially financially, when he was down and out initially, whenever he met his or his girlfriend at the time, and he was collecting welfare for $188 a week. He had found some financial stability after winning fights, when he started getting recognized in 2008 after his pro, pro debut in a professional MMA sense, not in the UFC, he was still collecting welfare. Up until and, UFC. Yep, up until UFC. And the grit that he had to push past, fighting all the time, all the physical trials that come with fighting, and then on the financial side, not getting rewarded what you think you should be rewarded. Mm-hmm. And going through the struggle time and time again to only after many years get to your final destination where where your work would finally start to pay off and i think the idea of you having to go such a prolonged time in struggle for rewards to pay off is very hard for many people to understand and the idea that success doesn't come right away and it's not pretty as seen by connor's story but Whenever you make it to the end, it's it's almost like the work that you put in and the more grit that you have, the higher the chances you are of getting to the life of your dreams. Mm-hmm. Do you guys see any connection between his story and any other success successful person we've done a case study on? Any like consistency, common denominator between their story? I'm thinking of one right now. He is just unapologetically himself. I think of Steve Jobs just walking away from Apple after he built it because he didn't get along with them, and he was okay with that. Elon Musk, he would piss off employees, um, partners, just because he wanted to be true to himself. McGregor, he is a confident person. He stood in front of Khabib, who is probably the best UFC fighter of all time, and said that he was going to kill him. 
he stood in front of Floyd Mayweather, probably the best boxer of all time, and said that he was going to kill him. Um, like he's he's just like he's himself, and it comes across with so much conviction. I remember like the the best part of McGregor that I can think of is when he won two titles at one time. He had two belts, one for featherweight, one for lightweight. Dana White hands him the mic after he beats, I believe it was Jose Aldo. He just grabs the mic and he says, I want to apologize to absolutely no one because so many people doubted him. So many people hated on him. And he was like, hey, this is for me. This is for the people that believed in me. This is for my country. He's like, I don't care what any of you think. Like, I'm going to be me. So I think that is a great quality, a great trait that successful people have that we've studied that we look up to and if you're not standing for something if you're not standing for yourself then you're not going to stand out Mm -hmm. i think i'm going to say one that is honestly very controversial controversial on what a lot of people would think and i'm going to say it's luck and i'm going to speak on that in the basis of the environment i think bill gates got lucky his high school in seattle was the only one in either the country or the world that had a computer Mm -hmm. warren buffett got lucky because of the time he grew in or grew up in where the stock market absolutely exploded over 70 years. But he was also lucky because he was in a position where I think maybe it was the people or maybe his parents or something that taught him to invest at the age of uh, 10 years old, right? Jeff Bezos got lucky in the fact that the internet was just becoming a thing. And I think that like it or not, what McGregor went through was trauma based on the fact that he was picked on and he had to learn how to fight. And I think that was a lucky blessing for him that he made something of the cards that he was handed. Yeah. And he chose to have a victor mentality over a victim mentality, as I said before. Yeah, definitely. And then for me, the first thing that pops into my mind immediately is they're almost unimaginable or crazy, I want to call it, belief in themselves. And just like what the autobiographer of Steve Jobs' book called it, Reality Distortion Field. Whenever you believe in yourself, almost to a degree where it's outside of the reality of possibility. And it's seen with Steve Jobs, his belief that he can build something great. It's seen with Elon Musk, the man who thought, I can put a man on Mars. Who people think that they can do the impossible and people see themselves in somewhere that many people can't see themselves the capability of seeing yourself in a position that nearly seems impossible is why i think a lot of these people actually succeed the people who are crazy enough to think about it are the people who are crazy enough to do it yeah for sure one more i want to touch on is a lot of successful people capitalize on their brand with like a product and right now he i think he sold a lot of it but proper 12 whiskey it's pretty much worldwide at this point. Huge whiskey company. I've never had it myself, but people say great things. And I think it's one of those things like uh, Nelk Boys with the Happy Dad. Like you want to drink it just because of the face behind the company. So he spent his whole life fighting, being on pay-per-view and be on ESPN that he knew he could leverage his audience into something bigger. I- Ireland is such a great place for whiskey. That's what they love. So he just combined that with his personal brand and made a a huge company out of it and grew a lot of his wealth that way. So I think that's another thing to consider is these successful people we look at at one point in their life, they they start something. They create some product, some service that they can tie their brand behind and really capitalize on the monetary aspect. 
Yeah, I think it's just with this, it's important to note that he's not unidirectional in what he can do, but rather the avenues that he can take because of what he has accomplished in the past is just far more outside of what he is known for. And I think he did do a great job of capitalizing on his brand, his nationality, and his name. Mm -hmm. And then to complete the thought, the fourth thing that I have that I see really saw nurture his success was straight up discipline. And it goes back to what Ricky was saying, where he had the discipline to continue on this long, crazy road with a lot of bumps where he got recognized when he was collecting his welfare check. I couldn't even imagine that. Having people think that you probably made it, you're at the top of your game, you're killing it in your craft, but you're still collecting welfare. He had the discipline to put in the hard hours at the gym. His wife said that maybe he would be up at 4 a.m. shadow boxing in the room. He had the discipline to continue to push hard through the training and get it done and do what he needed to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that all comes with a lot of strong habits and routines. Let's finish this off by diving into a little bit about McGregor and his lifestyle. You guys can tell me if you're going to take it or leave it. Um, number one, he likes to say that variety is key. So he's not someone that shows up to the gym at exact specific time. He doesn't have a set workout every single day. He says he likes to listen to his body, do what feels right in that moment and just go with the flow. Basically. Um, he thinks that, you know, elite athletes are way too segmented in, in their training. And he actually did change this up after he lost to Nate Diaz. He did get on a more like structured workout plan and timing schedule. But before that, most of his fighting was just kind of like free flow and go with the flow, do as you please. So number one being variety is key. I think that it doesn't work for everyone, but it, timing works for me and having it in my schedule works for me. So it ensures that I get done what I needed to get done. So I would leave that. I'm also not an elite level athlete like him, but I do enjoy the flexibility and listening to my body. And whenever I want to do something, I don't want to feel like I'm bared down to do it. Mm -hmm. So I, I enjoy that flexibility. So for me, I'm taking that. I'm going to leave it just because I've worked with athletes and I know he's a different breed, but I know most of them are super lazy and a lot of people are super lazy. And if you don't give them something on a schedule, they're not going to do it. So uh, I think it, it takes a strong person Very true. to do that. Number two is he, he knows when to stop. And he said that his fight against Nate Diaz, his first like notable loss in the UFC, he said he overtrained himself. He got gassed out. It wasn't a lack of strength or power. It was lack of stamina because he was too burnt out from his training. So knowing when to walk away from a training session, knowing to walk away from really anything in life. Take it. I think this is where it comes in listening to your body. There should be no shame in listening to your body if it's going to allow you longevity in life. I also agree with that pretty much on the same token. Allowing for longevity over the short term of just sticking something out, I think is much more valuable to you in the long run. So take it. Yeah, take it for sure. Sometimes you got to just train to see the next day, not go all out on the current day. Number three, super simple. Mobility is key. He says we're the only animal that wakes up and doesn't stretch. Pretty self-explanatory there. Yeah. I, it's something I do want to implement into my routine as I am starting to run more stretching. So I would take it, but at the moment I don't stretch as much as, much as I should. I also definitely should be stretching more. 
I actually did start stretching a lot more before I go to bed. It definitely helps my body feel more relaxed and better when I wake up the next day. So if I had the discipline to do it every single day when I wake up, take it. Yeah, I'm going to take it for sure, um, especially in this case if you're an elite athlete. But even if you're just an average person, like nobody wants to be in their 50s and 60s and can't get into a squat anymore. Like, I think that's just something we can start building now that is just going to pay dividends later. Number four, he says, body weight is better. Another quote he has is, machines don't use machines, and I am a machine. So he loves body weight movements. He loves being in tune with his current uh, self-control, stability, and doesn't really always throw around the weight. I think body weight's important for whatever your training style is. So, of course, body weight with running. But for me... That's not exactly what I want to do. I don't want to have like a calisthenics build. I want to be able to be functional and push a lot of weight while also being able to run. So for me, that's a leave it. I honestly think that some of the best physiques and some of the best builds are calisthenics builds. And for me, I believe that if you're able to control your body weight really well, this takes me back to the time when I was training calisthenics all the time. Whenever you're able to do pull-ups really easily, like you, Matt, whenever you're able to do push-ups all the time and just any form of body weight movement, I think it makes your body feel so much better. So I would definitely take that. Yeah, I'm going to take it as well. Just in the fact that when most people think of fitness, they think of going to the gym and lifting weights. Nobody really thinks about the basic of going and doing push-ups, pull-ups, a dead hang, a body weight squat. A lot of people can't even do that which is crazy to me. So being able to like control your body with just body weight, then move into the next things. And I think it's also super impressive in this craft of jujitsu and MMA, being able to have so much self-control when you're on the ground, on your feet, just moving around and trying to fight someone is super powerful that most people don't have that control. And last but not least, he says, don't complicate food. Obviously as an elite athlete, he has a very clean diet, but He's basically saying here, we don't have to complicate things. Eat your lean meats, eat your vegetables. Uh, you don't need the fad diet or anything else. Just do what you know is right for you and stick with it. Take it. You know what's right for you. You know what's healthy. If As long as you're eating clean and getting what you need in, do that. Definitely agree with that. I'm also taking that 1,000 out of 1,000 times. I want to say a special note to all the vegans out there. Vegan protein is terrible for you. Terrible quality. Eat animals. Eat meat. It is much better for you. That's about it. Yeah, take it for sure. I think a good rule of thumb is think back to what we would eat 100 years ago. There weren't the factories and the all the oils back then. Just go back to the basics and you're going to be a lot healthier than the average person today. Definitely. And I can add one more statement on that now that we're on 75 hard. Eating more simple eating more healthy, eating more clean definitely provides a much more stable day and it makes my body feel and look much better. That was a notorious. We got a lot of his life covered. Still more to come. He's coming off of a pretty gnarly injury. I think that was back in 2021. Hasn't fought since then. So it's been a few years. He looks good. He's fighting in June, I believe. So I'm excited. He, he has a pretty big matchup. And I think to wrap things up, he he's someone that doesn't shy away from a challenge uh, because he's coming and fighting for his legacy now. Like he could call it a career. He actually did retire for a bit after Khabib and he went back and fought a couple of times. But, you know, if he loses another fight, people will start to question him as one of the top UFC fighters of all time. And he's coming back and fighting Michael Chandler, one of the most talented fighters right now. So just a lot of respect for him doing what he's doing, coming back from 
a compound fracture, I believe it was, and now trying to defend his legacy and uh, plan even more of a a name for himself in the UFC. Yep, he's coming back to defend his legacy. And this entire podcast was before his legacy and before most people knew who Conor McGregor was. So we hope you enjoyed this story of his life. From now on, you guys know the rest of Conor McGregor and who he is now. Thank you for tuning into this episode. We hope you are closer to finding success in your next chapter. If you want to stay up to date with our lives, follow us on social media at ricky.loudermilk, eric.loudermilk, and matt underscore loopy. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode every Tuesday and Thursday to get you one step closer to the life of your dreams. We are extremely grateful for your attention, and we will catch you all in the next episode.